Exactly. So good morning, Trish, and thank you for coming on to our coffee morning. Our first guest. Woohoo! Um, so thanks thank for coming you. on to our coffee morning. Um, would you want to describe to the girls exactly what you do and who you help <laughs> and how you help them? Okay, so uh, hi everybody. Thanks a million for listening to me. I am um, uh, I'm a psychotherapist in Galway City. I've been in practice since uh, probably 2005. I started uh, working in private practice in Galway City. So I work as a psychotherapist and I'm a supervisor of therapists as well. So each therapist has a supervisor that they have to go to, that they're accountable to for their client work. Um, and then two years ago, I went into partnership with Mind and Body Works in Dublin. So they have two counselling um, and therapy centres in Dublin, um, and they're opening a third. They they one in Wicklow Street, one in Donnybrook. They're opening a third in Dunrum in the summer. So there's a, we saw a need in the market uh, in Galway. I work with one of them during the year as a group therapist in Dublin, and we saw a need in the Galway market for um, a counselling centre where people would feel that they could come and kind of all needs would be catered to. So I work in there, but we have a team of about 14 therapists working there. Um, so we have a couples therapist, we have um, child and adolescent therapists, we have a child art psychotherapist, uh, we have a therapist who, a lot of our therapists do CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, we have an EMDR therapy therapist, a sensory motor therapist. So we kind of have a, a team of therapists that deal with, I guess, every, hopefully, every need that comes up. Um, and then we also have a team of students in on placement and the students provide a low cost counselling service. So the students come from colleges where they're probably in their final degree uh, year or master's training in psychotherapy. And oh, sorry, we also have a psychologist working with us who does assessments uh, as well. And then our students are psychotherapists and they provide a low cost counselling service. So my role essentially in there is uh, managing the centre, managing the referrals to the therapists. Um, and kind of running the centre per se. That's terrific. And can I ask you a couple of questions? Like, what are the common misconceptions yeah. about about counselling? What do you find are the, the common misconceptions? Um, the common misconceptions are that um, you, if you go to counselling or therapy, that you must be very, very uh, mentally unstable. You uh, must be completely mad um, that you can only go if you have massive issues um, that you know and usually with women uh, it's everybody else's issues that are more important um, so really? you find that a lot yeah that a common thread? I mean the, the 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 biggest thing and I guess I've spoken to you about that before that um, I will get mothers contacting me looking for therapy for their children looking for therapy for their husbands their adolescents um, very seldom looking for therapy for themselves. So I think that women feel that, uh, you know, getting along, coping, um, 
managing and then controlling the people around them um you know and controlling the environment is you know that's their way of coping so yeah. sending other people into therapy so i guess it's a, it's a misconception to me uh, the misconception would be yeah you need to be very unwell to go to therapy um you and that it's a very scary process that you're going to be turned inside out um that uh, you're going to be given advice which is also not true um that a lot of that control i guess is going to be taken away so i but think that there are some of the biggest misconceptions yeah and yeah, yeah that, that makes so much sense because you're just saying there that's like a common thread with women is the control thing and then mm -hmm. that kind of makes so much sense that yeah you don't want to lose control by going in there and having to absolutely yes and open up and a lot of people seeing see opening up as being weak um as and i guess opening up leading into maybe a spiral that it will just go further and further and we don't know where it's going to go and it's just easier to just manage and get along with it rather than uh than talk about it so what would you say then like how then how would you kind of counteract that if that makes sense and like so how can you then go well look it's okay because xyz is going to happen instead or what would you say to a woman that was like exactly how you described i think like really my like a kind of a mission that i would feel that i would have um i work a lot with women in transition i work a lot with women in midlife um i work a lot with women who are not in crisis who are just trying to find their way back to their own identity. So I work a lot with women whose children have left home, who are um, who were very identified with a mothering role and who've ended up kind of not having that role per se anymore and trying to find their identity. I also work a lot with women who um, are feeling very unfulfilled even though they have children and they have a job um, they're feeling very overwhelmed they're be feeling very stuck so but they can't put a finger on what it is that they're feeling they're not feeling in crisis so I guess to me I want to say to women particularly that therapy really is an exploration it's it's a it's an exploration of you as a person and yes how you can develop better coping skills but i think generally like we cope pretty well as women like we are multitaskers we are copers so m my role in therapy is not around telling people what how to do things better it's to 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 kind of put in support around what they are doing but also to explore who they actually are as a person and their own identity separate to being a mother a wife uh, a partner um a worker an employee you know because i think that that's it's a very important thing i think that women forget themselves and who they are and who they were before they became somebody's partner somebody's mother somebody's employee wow. so yeah that's so interesting. And like, is there a point when somebody should get counselling or is it just when you're not feeling great? Or like, is there, is there like symptoms or do you just go, no, just do it when, when you're not feeling good or when you need help? 
I think the hardest the hardest part is the phone call or the email. The, the hardest part is the acknowledgement that there is something wrong that doesn't feel that it can be kind of uh, managed anymore. And that might be around, um, particularly in times of the pandemic. So that's what we're really seeing in, in the, this time. Um, people are feeling very isolated. They're feeling very um, anxious. They're feeling that they have nothing to look forward to. Um, they can't plan. Control has been taken away. Um, so it's a general feeling of, you know, you might say meh, like, you know, yeah. that there's no up, uh, you know, there's no feeling, you know, that we can look out and we can see spring coming and we can feel a little bit more positive. But generally, um, and I think when, when women start to feel a bit low, they start to get, tend to get more self-critical. They tend to turn inwards and start feeling very negatively about themselves and talking to themselves very negatively. So, um, because I think we're a lot more critical of ourselves than we are of anybody else. So uh, my feeling is I would encourage people, if they're feeling that it's for them, to give counselling a try to, I mean, the relationship is really central to therapy and counselling, like the relationship with the person that you you go and see is really the most important um, tool in order for people to open up and kind of feel that they can trust the process, that they can trust the person, that they feel that that person um, can understand where they're at and where they're coming from um, without giving them advice. And, and remembering also that every therapist has also been in therapy themselves for years. So it's part of their training, it's part of their process. Um, so that you're not, uh, that you're not uh, seeing somebody who, who doesn't also understand how difficult it is, how difficult it is to open up, how difficult it is to, to trust um, that somebody can hear you, really hear you and listen to you. So is that kind of what happens in good therapy practices that you get ma ma matched with somebody that you that may suit you rather than just oh yes well this person is totally yeah so that's why like in our practice I if if somebody contacts the center I chat to them around what their issues are um also they can they can contact our therapist directly all of our therapists profiles are on our website so you can go in you can have a read of their profile, what they work with, what they specialize in, and they can be contacted directly. But also people can contact me if they're just feeling overwhelmed, there's too many people there, so that I can match them with the right therapist for them. So every therapist that works in our center, I've interviewed them when they come in. So I, I, I interview them just to make sure that they're the right fit for the ethos that we have. Yeah. Um, and to know that I would hand over my child or my mother or my uh, partner to any of those therapists and feel you know this is a this is a safe pair of hands you know yeah. this is a person that I I feel is very is very good and qualified that's great and that's mindandbodyworks.com yeah. have yeah. you seen um a difference with just in relation to women um since the pandemic hit similar problems and have those problems changed since the pandemic hit or issues or um, is there a common thread now? Is, 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 has there been a change since the pandemic has started? Yeah, 
there definitely has. The first lockdown, um, when the first, after the first lockdown, we got, uh, as I'm sure we can all relate to, uh, hundreds of phone calls for couples counselling. So that was the first <laughs> after the first lockdown. Uh, that was the most sought after. Uh, our couples counsellors couldn't take it anymore. Couples. That's good. Um, yeah. So when we were all stuck at home, enjoying enjoying being together, uh, I think it ran its course for most of us. After that, um, <laughs> then after after the couples counselling, the biggest demand then was for child and adolescent therapy. <clears throat> And I, we can all relate to that in terms of the school system, the leaving search, children's anxiety. But what I was really, really finding and I was really struck by was mothers ringing and then staying on the phone for about 40 minutes because the, the anxiety being really, really high in mothers around their children, um, understandably, but also forgetting that they are the generally the linchpin in the house. They are the person who is keeping the house together um, and doing what they term the worry work. Yeah. That, you know, that mothers are generally the worriers in the house. They're the, the organizer, the worrier, the, the most attuned person. But I guess what I found is just women falling out of attunement with themselves. So, not recognizing that their own anxiety is very central to the anxiety that's going on in the house. Um, children pick up a lot of energies and that really putting themselves on the back burner doesn't serve a purpose for themselves or their families. So the anxiety seems to have got, become really heightened. And of course it has in terms of the issues that are presenting, like we're getting a lot of eating disorders in teenage girls, we're getting a lot of issues presenting that, you know, have been really exacerbated by the lack of control in the pandemic. But I think really that women have to kind of look for the support. So all of our kind of adolescent therapists are, yes, seeing adolescents and they'll see the parents as well, but they are also suggesting that the parents, particularly mothers, could access a bit of support for themselves. So it's anxiety, financial worries, um, you know, uh, low mood, like they have all been exacerbated because, because of the lack of control. Um, we don't have any control over our lives. We don't have any control over what's happening outside our houses. So we can get uber anxious. Um, yeah. And I think looking for support is important in these times definitely um and i'm not saying that has to be a therapist you know but reaching out to friends reaching out to your network um i think we all got a bit zoomed out the first time but like if possible trying to access friends and family and people that you feel you can just have a good moan to yeah you know yeah yeah there's nothing wrong with moaning yeah, it's nice sometimes to be able to have a rant, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Kind of just being absolutely. able to rant and somebody go, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, could, you, could you just give some very gentle tips, like if somebody is feeling bad right now, just in their own home, what they can do to just help themselves feel better? Um, like there's, there's little I can suggest that you haven't suggested, that you don't suggest continuously around exercise, 
um, getting out in the fresh air, walking, water, sleep. These are all like those are the core, the core basics of what we need for our mental health to function well on a daily basis. But um, I'm the other things that I would say is a really, really key thing I find with women is um, the critical self-talk um, is really, really very pronounced in women. The battle Where does that come from? Where does that come from? Well, if we were to, you know, uh, if you were analysing it, I guess, we get very early interjects in our lives. That's what we would say from parents, from teachers, from environment, um, negative, negative uh, messages about ourselves that we hold on to a lot more than we hold on to positive messages. So I think we hold on to negative interjects um, about not being good enough from very early on. And then we just replay that in all circumstances. So we replay it uh, as mothers, as partners, as friends, and we continuously battle with negative self-talk in our heads as women. So we find it very, very difficult to give ourselves a break or to show the kind of compassion for ourselves that we would for our friends, if we were talking to our friends or our partners or our children. And I think it's a really, really important thing to try and to, to step back a little bit and to kind of use the mantra like, uh, I'm good enough, rather than this continuous searching for perfection. Um, like I am amazed at the resilience that I see in the women that come in, the stuff that they have gone through and continue to go through um, and still are critical of themselves, that they're failing, that they're not enough in any area of their lives. So really looking at being good enough, um, the, the starting with more compassionate self-talk. Um, but then really, I, I'm, we're called Mind and Body Works. I guess I'm very into all of this stuff that goes around and around in our heads. We're also, we forget about our bodies. So we actually forget to breathe. So, um, and it happens to me quite a lot as well. I forget to breathe. So just stopping and remembering to breathe. You would be amazed if you stopped during the day and just check in, am I actually breathing? Um, so I think that that's a really important thing to check in. There's also a lovely technique that I just like to show you and it's called a butterfly hug. And it really brings you back into your body when your head is going a mile a minute. Um, so if you just put your arms across like that and just, uh, and then tap your shoulders one hand at a time. So just taking a deep breath before you start and then just start tapping. That is called bilateral stimulation and it's very good and you can close your eyes when you're doing it. It actually calms down the whole nervous system. Like it just brings you back. It's a really good grounding technique. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, um, it's a very, very good one to just sit and try and ground yourself for a couple of minutes 
by doing the butterfly hug. Or also another one is just standing up and actually shaking out, just shaking your body, kind of bouncing up and down from the knees and shaking your body. They're very, very good grounding techniques. I think we, we use a lot of techniques that are for our heads, you know, what will I do now and what will I talk and talk and talk and talk. We just forget the head is only this much of the body. Like, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole other thing going on underneath the neck that we completely forget about. Obviously not when we're all doing uh, our Inspire Fitness routines, <laughs> but, but like generally the breathing and the self-soothing really and um, bringing ourselves down, our, regulating our nervous systems is very important. Thanks so much for sharing that. I just have a couple of questions before I yep. pass you on to the rest of the girls to see if they have any questions. Just back to that critical thing, because I just find that fascinating. Yeah. Do you think that's from like women at <clears throat> magazines, what we see on the TV? And do you think it all starts with kind of the physical way, the, like the critical things that we get <laughs> when we're younger from a physical point of view as for being yeah. a female or is, it, is there more to it than that? I I think we we you know there's societal stuff in Ireland around women and women's roles um where you know I think it's worldwide obviously but there's an Irish mother thing that we we grew up in families with very hard working women uh, multitaskers multicopers um and you know very matriarchal heads of families in Ireland, but also quite critical mothering. Like I think a lot of us experienced quite critical mothering. And I don't think it's an intentional thing, but just being told from a very early age that you're not this and you're not that, you're not good enough, you're not thin enough, you're not um, clever enough, you're not as good looking as the rest of them, you're, you look like, <laughs> you know, the cousins that you know nobody or you're like that side of the family you're like this you're like that like we're we were quite early picked on i think um and we just accepted it and everyone says my mother is great and you know and our mothers were great women but they also came from very critical mothering themselves so i think we took in these very early interjects and then we moved into the world and we met it outside so a lot of us went to school where uh Corporal punishment was still allowed, where teachers could um, use physical means. And I think that we all grew up as kind of accepting that this was the status quo. And now we're expected to mother in a completely different way. Mm. We are expected to mother in a very kind, soft, gentle way. But we are so critical of ourselves that it's difficult to stop criticizing if I'm not being a good enough mother, if I'm not being the kindest, sweetest, most giving person, if I lose my temper, if I shout at my kids. And then I guess we are socialized as well to attach value to things like having a clean house, feeding your children proper food, um, you know, having a nicer house than your next door neighbor. Um, we are socialized very early to judge people um, who aren't doing a good enough job because it makes us feel better. So I think we're caught in all these traps as women, um, self-judgment, self-criticism, then looking out and comparing, um, comparison being the thief of joy yeah. and not ever feeling satiated 
where we are at ourselves because that constant feeling of having to do more having to give more yeah, um, yeah. so i yeah i think it starts early and i think it's very very difficult to to shake it to yeah. find compassion um because we started very early thinking yeah well you were uh overweight or you were really mean or you were uh you know not kind yeah. so you know a lot of what i work with 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 women is trying to get them to move into acceptance rather than judgment we are all parts like we are nice we are kind we can also be really mean we can also be really angry that's human nature so yeah. it's an acceptance of yourself as a whole person rather than than acting out of parts of ourselves that become very martyr-like in terms of our families, in terms of the self-sacrifice, um, you know, and then being resentful when people don't meet our needs, you know, and being told we're selfish when we do meet our own needs. So there's a real, real struggle with self-acceptance, I think, and not judging ourselves and just leaving ourselves alone and saying, you know, I'm actually okay the way I am, you know. That's fascinating. That's so, so fascinating. I could listen to you all day. Um, that's so interesting. I'm going to pass you on to the girls now. Okay. Um, and girls, if you have any questions, um, just unmute yourself and ask a question. Uh, and then if you wouldn't mind just uh, muting yourself back again so that we don't get any uh, sound bites. Um, so who, who wants to ask the first question? Kira. Hi. Hi, Kira. I haven't seen you in a long time. but you, How you are you? You've heard me rant on an outtake in on occasion in the past. I love a, I love a good rant, Kira. Uh, it was um, no, thank you, and thank you for that. That was really fascinating, and, and so many times I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, but but I think you, you hit the nail on the head with respect to um, loads of points, especially around our mums and our families that we grew up in over the years. And, and one of the funny things I I was just thinking when you were saying that was when when. Um, when we were younger, someone said to me once, um, asked me once, how many times did you ever see your mum sitting down? And I was like, never. I, I Like, you know, even we'd have dinner, she'd have dinner after us, Christmas dinner. Yeah. I always remember her having Christmas dinner after the rest of us, that kind of, you know, and um, and it was, and it's really funny, she said, because we were the same, if somebody was coming in, I was like, get up and don't be watching the TV, you know, so, so and one of the things, I think since I've become a mum, I've kind of been very conscious of that now, sort of going, it's all right for us to just sit and lay on the couch. Jessica will tell you, I've told her before, like we do a pyjama day once a month where we go, no, we're not getting dressed, we're sitting down, we're, we're doing whatever. But it's actually, it's such a small thing, but it's, it, it so resonates with what you were saying there. So I just thought mm. I'd that, you know, and thank you for sort of putting a bit of context around it more than the simplistic version, I suppose, that I had in my head. Yeah, no, thanks a million, Kira. I think it's just, that's exactly it. Like, we were not allowed to have the TV on because TV signified laziness, you know, in our house. TV was for a Sunday evening when you were allowed to watch, uh, I think it was the Muppet Show that used to be on or something. But, you know, TV just signified laziness sitting down signified laziness i think exactly like you say thanks for that it's a really good point yeah and then the the chi i remember the chicken being divided out and the the boys always got the leg <laughs> you know <laughs> the girls got the 
piece, you know, because girls, you know, mum got the very last piece, you know, the wishbone or something, but like, you know, kind of the pecking order of, of you know, self-sacrifice always and moving towards the men first. Um, the boys need more than we do. And I think we carry that on as Irish mothers too. The boys need more than the girls do. Girls are well able, you know, girls are well able. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Kira. Anybody else? Anybody else like to jump on? Paula here. I was going to ask, um, Trish, have, have you seen have you seen much improvement um, over the years then in, you know, with the Me Too movement and the Lean In movement and all this, yes. uh, women supporting each other. Have you seen, have you seen improvements over the years in your practices? Uh, in terms of how women, how women are starting to view themselves? Yes, and how women, yes. how women treat other women, you know. Definitely, definitely, Paula. Because taking yourself seriously, um, taking yourself seriously as a woman um, is a big, I think it has been a big problem for women. I think the acceptance of sexual assault, you know, has, has you know, it, there isn't a woman that you could talk to that hasn't had some experience of assault um, in some way that they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even name or have named as assault. Um, whether when I was growing up, it was flashers, like there were flashers um, all around the area. You would not have reported that to the police. You wouldn't have even told your parents. It wouldn't have been taken seriously. So I think we've all had experiences of different kinds of, of assault being perpetrated that women just did not take seriously. And I think the, the Me Too movement has allowed us to actually stand up and be able to say, actually, this, is, this, is, this was a trauma and this is stuff that we put up with and said nothing about. And being able to, to accept that these things were not right and they were perpetrated on us and other women has definitely allowed people, I feel, to, to connect to each other more. Um, and there's, there's much more acknowledgement now that these things are trauma. And the mother and baby homes, uh, you know, the tomb scandals around the mother and baby homes. But um, when I was in, in 1990s Ireland, um, I was a single parent in 1991 um, in Ireland. And at that time, the mother and baby homes were still running in Dublin. Um, and mothers were still being, women were still being encouraged to give up their children for adoption. That's 1991. 1996, I think the last mother and baby homes uh, closed. But there was a, um, we used to get an allowance and it was called the unmarried mother's allowance. So the stigma of being a woman, being a sexual being, um, being a person who actually, you know, had sex outside marriage. Um, there was a stigma around that, and yet there was there was a, a kind of an acceptance of sexual assault and abuse being perpetrated on women. So I definitely feel that women standing forward and just saying, actually, you know, this this was trauma and this was 
reality for um, just a generation before us um, and our, our reality as well. Um, finding our voice as women and just saying this stuff is not acceptable. I feel very strongly Thank about Paula. that. Thank you, Paula. Thank you, Paula. <laughs> Anybody else have a question you'd like to ask? Or <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, or hey, Trish. Uh, my name is Anne. Hi, Anne. I can't see you there. Sorry. Yeah. How you doing? Um, so really interesting, kind of, to hear hear the the perspectives, and I suppose the thing around mothers, and um, definitely, I would you know put my mother up there as she was the the Irish martyr kind of thing. You know, like you say, the last to sit down. I grew up in a house yeah. full of and I'm the only girl. Okay. I definitely remember the, you know, we feed the boys first kind of stuff and all that. Um, but like I, I have three children of my own now and, um, you know, at a difficult age in terms of, um, you know, I've got a leave in certain uh, early college and definitely I can relate to a lot of the stuff you're saying there about the impact of, you know, the pandemic on their kind of mental health. Yeah. And one of the things I suppose that I feel at the moment is because my children are suffering this and actually I have, you know, um, they've started, two, two, of my, two of my three children have started seeing a counsellor because I just couldn't manage them, you know what I mean, their moods. And what I find is I feel incredibly guilty. Like I'm going back over their entire childhood thinking of, um, is there stuff that I've done, you know, um, now my, my husband doesn't have this guilt, by the way. <laughs> He's like, what's <laughs> done, it's done. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, it's, it's the maternal guilt thing. And especially yeah. if you've been working as a mother, yeah. you know, because there were times, like I've worked all the way up um, when they were little, but um, I think you have this whole thing of, um, well, maybe I should have stayed home with them. Maybe, maybe they missed something because they were in all these different childcare settings and all this kind of stuff. So I know it's not logical. I know it's just, you know, I know all that. Yep. I just think the maternal guilt will eat you up. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, Anne. Um, my own maternal guilt, um, uh, my, my daughter lives in New Zealand, but she's actually, uh, she does the workouts as well. Um, um, so I thought I had done a really, really terrible job with her. I was a single mother for for five years um, and I, I did a really bad job with her, but I did a, an equally bad job with my son then when he was born into, into marriage, two parents. I, 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 I screwed him up just as successfully as I did her. So I totally relate to what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think that guilt ever leaves us because we feel, but again, it comes back to that control thing. We want to feel um, guilty because we don't want to let ourselves off the hook. Mm. Because we want to feel that we are in charge of all areas of our lives and that we are omnipotent and we are central to everything that goes on. And mm. it's very hard for us to see our children separating, becoming these people with their own minds and their own, their own personalities and their own quirkiness that mm -hmm. really may have something to do with us but may also have very little to do with us and um like i think that there's a really really important part again that piece about good enough like you know we try our hardest and we try our best 
but like if if we can get to good enough um and also Anne of course you'd be one of the mothers that I'd be saying I'm like who <laughs> is supporting you Anne and while all the children yes, are in therapy <laughs> one of the reasons why I actually you know uh, said god I have to do something for myself great I'll be I'll be uh, cracking up if I don't you know exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. well Jessica's supporting us all that is for sure that is for sure (laughs) so thank you thank you thanks thanks Anne anybody else like to come on I'll jump in if that's okay Paula Aideen Aideen hi Aideen hi Tricia hiya Thanks, Bruce, first of all. And I'm laughing at yourself and Anne have kind of, I, I just, I'm like you, I was a single mother in 94 and the guilt of getting pregnant and yeah. it sounds ridiculous. It's not even that long ago. Absolutely. You know, um, but then I went on, I had difficulty then having any more kids when I wanted them. So I have a yeah. 14 year old and I now have an 11 year old daughter. So Bad. they have, they've had two very different upbringings as in very rat racy lifestyle with him and she has it so easy now as in school is down the road I work from home she's no after school care anyway so I find myself wondering well like you know does the guilt and it's kind of did I just mess him up completely but sure he has a um, master's himself now in psychology so I suppose he can tell me <laughs> but, uh, he can tell you exactly <laughs> but with this pandemic it's really heightened like my 11 year old is great and we would have been very strict on screens so I think every parent has had this issue. So we've kind of, we were nearly divorced in the first lockdown over the screens, screen time. And I was trying to be more relaxed because I said, well, I just can't cope and she needs contact with her friends, blah, blah, blah. So she's constant. What she watches a lot of is baking, baking YouTubers and arts and crafts. And she's constantly, mom, can we go into the pound shop and get such and such? And can we go in and get this? Can we go in and get, we're in Athen Rise. So I'm nonstop going in and getting things. And while I think it's great because she's being creative and she's not sitting playing games on the computer. So, but sometimes I feel like I need to have boundaries, you know, or am I wrong? Like we're very much, as you said, we were brought up negatively. Um, you, we're very much bringing up our own kids now with nothing but praise and you're amazing. Yeah. But she's, she's already at 11, negative and down on herself. And I'm thinking, okay, what? Well, now I spent a lot of my time saying sorry my husband walks in the door and I'm like, sorry the dinner's not ready mm. and he's like will you stop it's not mm-hmm. from him it's me yeah and she started saying this sorry as well and I said no stop it but I just, just don't know how to draw a line under it and I don't know whether I'm right to have boundaries with if I like I'm still working a bit from home so I might say to her oh, she, she you know she wants to win and get some stuff to make things and I say we'll see and she, she start laughing she go oh, great because we've seen <laughs> will do it. She'll break her neck, but she'll do it. And uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, just, as you said, you feel guilty when you have boundaries and when you're trying, when you're, you feel like you're curtailing them and their creativity. But like, I, I'm lucky I've only had one child at a time. I don't know how you would do three and four. Jesus Christ. It's like nonstop. I mean, there's ballet and piano still going on online now. And then when we go back, and I can find myself panicking as well, that when things go back to normal, if we're not coping now, how in the name of Jesus are we going to cope when yeah. everything ramps right up again and you're on the road and you're... But I think it probably will be easier. That sounds totally. but, yeah. And to be honest, Aideen, like, my kids are grown up. I have no idea how women are managing. I have I no idea. 
I don't know. But you are doing it also. You are working from well, home. Well, I am, but I, I, I yeah. find myself kind of going, yeah, but I only have one child. It's okay, you know. Yeah. I don't know how people are doing it with two and three. But, that's, but you see, that that is another part of the negative stuff, which is, oh, I only have one. Well, you actually yeah. have two, but and you're actually yeah. working from home, and you're actually putting a dinner on the table. No, in fairness, my husband does a lot of the cooking. I'd yeah. better say that. Yeah, but <laughs> I, like we forget we're actually in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. It is extraordinary circumstances mm. to get out of bed, to actually be yeah. surviving, to actually get up and be surviving and feed and clothe yourself and your family. Yeah. I think yeah. let the rest of it go. Yeah, there yeah. will be time when all of this is over for us to to start. We don't know. And, and one thing is it's very, very difficult, but trying to stay present uh, in the moment and not think too far ahead because we don't know where it is and I, I guess human nature is we really have the need to know we find it very difficult not to know so this is a very hard time for us so like if I anybody who comes in all I ever say to them is give yourself a break at the moment give yourself an absolute break the fact that you're doing this is is incredible like you will you know you will be the women that your children are looking back at, at in years and going how did my mother manage that homeschooling working from home uh keeping the family together finances all of that yeah i mean it, it, it's incredible stuff and, and we don't keep, know yeah i keep it people keep a i saw a joke that one of my friends is just driving me nuts because people keep posting funny stuff but like I feel like, oh God, you're not busy enough, 10, 20, like 50 of them a day. I'm like, Jesus. But one, the last it was written on cardboard and it said, uh, just think in 20 years time, the country's going to be run by, what does it say? Uh, by kids who were homeschooled by alcoholics. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, you know, where do you go with that? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Most of us were, you see, most of us grew up in just very dysfunctional families and took all of that as normal. Now we're, you know, we're meant to have everything together. Most of yeah. us grew up with uh, quite a lot of, there, there are very few families in Ireland that didn't grow up with alcoholic parents or absent parents or, you know, and we, and we, we all, you know, got on just fine. We're all sitting yeah. here today. You know, so um, it is about giving ourselves a break, I think, Aideen. Definitely. Yeah, yeah you know? definitely. Thank you, Aideen. Thanks, uh, Tricia. Thanks. Does anybody have any questions, more questions, before we wrap it up? Rita. Rita, how are you? Hi, Rita. How are you? No, I'm just wondering, well, I have a son that uh, he was going to a psychologist and I still feel, and I know I'm the I'm the bad mammy now, say, asking these. But he could he still, you know, could he uh, join somebody? Uh, could he sit um, join the group in, in Galway here in Woodkey? Should go in and see somebody, Rita. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We we're still open for face to face um, okay. therapy. Yeah. So now, we're we're doing it online but we're also open for face-to-face. -face. We have four um, counselling rooms, so and they're all socially distant, and we're all, it's very COVID compliant. And, no. yeah. 
he's 25. <laughs> so it, it would be only as I know that, you know, they have yeah. to be themselves. So I don't know. But Absolutely. I, but just I, to say I, it's there, it's there as a possibility. Yeah. And the low cost service is there as a possibility as well. Okay. Um, for, you know, that they, that there's a low cost option for people. Um, for anybody over 18, we have a low cost option, but we also have a, just to let you know, a child, an like a therapist who is doing her master's in child and adolescent work, and she will be joining us and she will be doing low cost work with children and adolescents. Um, so, you know, if that, if that's a need for people, um, for their, their children also. Uh, because it's very, it can be very expensive to go privately. You know, yeah, it can yeah. be very prohibitive for people. Uh, but for myself, then, <laughs> what yes, I want Rita. to is, is uh, I'm well able to sit down yeah. and, and all of that. But what I'm, what I'm finding now on this last lockdown is I'm not able to get that mind to stop going. Yeah. Actually, so is there anything? that I could kind of just do to, I know you get this, so I'm going yeah. to try that. Yeah. Is there anything, uh, you know, to actually, you know, that you can, I, I used to, you know, could sit down, I'd be so relaxed. But yes. But I, I find I am not now, and I need it because of health things. Absolutely. Know. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, you could go into to see a CBT therapist, right? And they'll give you a whole load of homework. Um, but to be honest, right? My my feeling is that's only adding more and more stuff on top of yourself. I think if you can, uh, like the Japanese have a thing called forest. I can't remember, but like you know, psychologically. Um, getting out into nature and getting out and actually just tuning in to bird song okay. is actually psychologically proven to help. So, oh. and anything that you can do in the body, shaking the body out a little bit and remembering to breathe. Like, I just think we've enough stuff going on in our head without taking on more things that if I did this and this and this and this, it would be much more helpful to me and it would get rid of all the stuff that's going on in my head. Yeah. Understanding that it's natural that we're going to be feeling overwhelmed at the moment. Um, understanding that in yourself, that it's natural that all of this stuff is going to be going on for us. Yeah. But trying physically, maybe, to get out into nature, li yeah. like listening to birdsong is, is actually scientifically proven to help. Okay. okay. And and this is scientifically proven to help as well, this bilateral stimulation. Yeah. That actually works on the brain neurons. Yeah, because so. I could even feel it. Yeah. Was, Can't you feel it bringing you down, like grounding you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I, it, it, this, this is just something that I really need now at the moment, is to be yeah. able uh, to just read. And it's not that I have a hectic life for anything. I don't above anyone. But it's it's just to feel that I am totally relaxed and I don't feel at the at times I'm not. Yeah. I, you know that yeah. kind of. All yeah. right. Thanks, Trish. Thanks, Rita. <laughs> Thank you. We take uh, one more question now, if anybody has uh, a question. Uh, 
just unmute yourself there if you want to ask one last question. Trish, sorry. Or Trish, are you clear? No, I was just wondering. I'm clear. I can't see you. Sorry. I just, oh, I just overlapped. Okay. Yeah, I see you, Claire. Sorry. Um, I was just think, unlike most of you, I'd say I'm I'm not a mother. Um, I, I'm i I'm single or whatever. And I was just wondering, you talk about mother's guilt and 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 all of the, the ramifications and the causes and the repercussions of that. But in terms of like children's guilt to to a point i i'm much better than i than i used to be um i'm 40 but since i was 18 off and on i've been very unwell um i'm well now but i have been very unwell in in patches um i've had cancer twice heart failure and a heart transplant and three years after i had the heart transplant my mother had a massive stroke um she's been a orphan for years so she had a bleed in her brain so she's She's completely paralyzed on one side and she can't speak. And while it doesn't rear its head very often, I found as we were talking that it has it's reared its head as you've been talking. Um, and I know it's completely illogical and I know chances are because of the orphan, she would have had a massive brain bleed no matter what. She's been in it, she's been in it for 30 years. Um, but I can't help but think, like it's funny, I describe myself as the problem child. I'm not the problem child, but in terms of all the crap they've had to deal with because of me, not, you know, I didn't go and set out to get, you know, X, Y, Z, U, V, W, and so like, you know, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's really hard sometimes to not, because especially now when I can't see them there in Cork, and mum and I do Zoom chats, chats most days, and we, we talk in a fashion, which means, I act like a performing clown and she laughs at me um but it, it just doesn't ever quite go away and then my, my my dad has been depressed for all of his natural life I'd say um and he's doing really well they're they're both at home um but then yeah I I I don't I I don't I, like I, I've I don't feel as guilty as I did but it's completely irrational to feel guilty because I didn't cause any of these things yeah and i suppose i just when it when it pops up yeah i i'd like to to know better how to deal with it like i've seen psychologists and psychiatrists and that only was for various you know different different reasons and for the most part like the last one would have been post-transplant there's an assigned psychologist and psychiatrist for obvious reasons um but you kind of get to a point where it's like, oh, sure, you're dealing with everything fine now, so you know we let you go. Yeah. And then, because I am mostly fine, I do an awful lot of negative self talk, but I've gotten much better at it, or, or at not doing it. But then it's kind of like, well, what's big enough for me to need to? Yeah. It, you know, I find that quite difficult. I, like, because yeah. you don't want to be annoying someone because. You know, I've 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 kind of learned like, well, you know, one or two bad days is a bad day. It's when they go on and on and yeah. on that you know I'm in trouble, and I you know I've come to to recognise that. But it's just sort of how to. I get. I totally understand what you're saying, Claire. I'm really sorry to hear that you've gone through. Totally sorry. It's unbelievable. These things happen. Yeah, but would you see your your bringing that down now to a level of saying oh sure that's just what it was well yeah 
And I know that that's what it was. Because there's no way around things. You can only, no, you know. Absolutely. But, you know, you definitely um, uh, would be carrying unconscious trauma. I mean, conscious and unconscious trauma around all of those events happening to you. And then stuff happening to your, to your parents as well. Um, so I wouldn't even see that as guilt. I would see that as the aftermath of trauma. Um, EMDR is a really, really good um, therapy for trauma. Um, it is, uh, uh, I, can, I can certainly, if you want to give me your, your email address, yeah. I can certainly send you some information on it. It's a really, really good um, therapy for trauma that doesn't go into you know all our childhood trauma or our past or whatever it very much focuses on the trauma the 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 the, the traumas that you would have had and it uses eye movement in terms of working I with it and, yeah. yeah and it's really really good for trauma okay. so i would okay. think claire to give yourself a break but also to to realize it wouldn't essentially be guilt okay. that's it's actually the aftermath of trauma that you're dealing with okay um so yeah if you or jessica could send me on your email address yeah. i'd love to 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 um send you on some info about it claire yeah. to see if it was for you okay. thank you thank not you claire i'm sorry for the big long no. not at all thank you for sharing that claire <laughs> thank you thanks so much for sharing claire that was so thank interesting you. And thanks so much to everybody, and in particular Trish, to come into our coffee morning this morning. Thank you. Um, just a reminder that Trish McHale is a uh, psychotherapist and supervisor working in private practice in Galway since 2006. In 2019, she went into partnership with Mind and Body Works, who operate two psychotherapy and counselling centres in Dublin and Oakwood Centre in Woodkey. So they have a team of 15 psychotherapists and psychologists who offer counselling to adults, couples, adolescents and children. And they offer a wide range of therapies, including CBT, EMDR and art therapy. And they also operate a low-cost counselling service service, which is provided by mature trainee therapists in their final degree or master's year of training. And they are supervised by an accredited and experienced therapist to ensure they work ethnically and professionally. Um, you can get uh, their website at mindandbodyworks.com, mindandbodyworks.com. But Trish, could you also, would you mind just giving out your email address for anybody that wants to contact you just directly? Yeah. So if you want to contact me directly, it's just go away at mindandbodyworks.com. Um, that's my email address. Just to say that um, <clears throat> for people to be reassured, all contact is completely confidential. Um, from the very start of the contact to me and then the referral to the therapist in the centre. And after I make a referral to a therapist, uh, that's the end of my contact with that therapist around any potential client. Um, and also to know that 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 all contact with any therapist is completely confidential um, between you and that therapist. So I think that, that that for people can always be an issue, you know, around confidentiality. So to understand that if you were to contact me, um, that all I would say to you is what are the issues? And then I would say, I'm gonna find the right therapist for you and then refer you on to that therapist. Um, I don't 
I'm not taking on clients myself. So uh, you wouldn't, <laughs> fortunately for you, you wouldn't end up with me if you were coming in. So, um, so just to let you know that. Thank you. And thank you so, so much. Thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having me. Time.